You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Mike Chappell and the supremely talented Joe Hopkins. I am Dave Griffiths and I am back. I'm back and Andrew Luck is gone. And that's a trade I think Colts fans would not make a million times over. And so I apologize for that, that my return brings such such terrible news. I don't Mike, believe in coincidences <laughs> <laughs> to the fan base. But it, it was it was a stunning, stunning move over the weekend. It's been a couple days since we'll talk certainly plenty about Andrew Luck. We'll get into the future, of course, as well. I don't want to just be focused on what happened on Saturday and then on Sunday, whatever. Um, I, I want to talk about what this move means to the franchise looking forward. Also, 53 man roster cuts are coming up. That's something we certainly have to address. But no Blue Zone podcast the week after what happened on Saturday would be complete without uh, a more than a mention of what happened to the Colts franchise on Saturday. As ESPN's Adam Schefter tweets out in the middle of the fourth quarter, 9.30 p.m., that Andrew Luck would retire from the NFL. Somebody leaked it to Shefty. Congratulations to him for getting it. That's why ESPN pays him the big bucks, the big, big bucks. And now the Colts are without their franchise quarterback at the age of 29. Mike... How do you think Andrew Luck came to this decision? I think, and people, and, and this is what rubs people the wrong way, I think he was just tired. He, he was tired of the grind, and, and he really told us that. And again, when we read body languages, I saw someone who was just worn out at the press conference. And, and people can say it was just an ankle, and he'd been through a lacerated kidney and a shoulder and a concussion and ribs and an ankle's going to run you out of the game. I, I think it's beyond that. It's He went back to 2016 when, when he played and practiced once a week. He was always in rehab, and he vowed to himself that time that if that ever happens again, I'm going to choose me. And, and that strikes people the wrong way because that, that says you're being selfish. You know, well, duh, hmm. uh, be selfish. And I think at the point that this rehab for the – calf slash ankle, probably more ankle if we, if we get right down to it, mm-hmm. was not progressing. He was having pain and it was clear to luck, and again we're reading all this in, that, that this season was going to be play Sunday, rehab Monday, Tuesday, practice Wednesday, rehab, rehab, play Sunday, rinse and repeat. And he simply wasn't filling your word, uh, willing, able, interested in going through that again. And, and I understand people wondering, how do you walk away from what you've got, the fame and the money, and what did you mercy say, $400 million or you whatever said it was. half a billion. Right, and, and you can do the math, and it would be close to that. But this, he, he simply wasn't prepared mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever, to go through it again. And he decided, I'm walking away, and, you know, you just you just have to accept what he's doing, and I, there's conspiracy theories out there about mm-hmm. this, that, and the other, and all that. But and, until someone can give me proof, and and we've we I've looked into it, this was his decision, and he wasn't willing to to go on the way he had. And the Colts fans in attendance were less than thrilled. Mike, uh, you were there. I was still at home at the time, even though I did uh, get a call into work that night with uh, with things getting rather busy. Um, but as Andrew Luck left the field at Lucas Oil Stadium, certainly heard plenty of boos raining down because you put it succinctly that it is a selfish decision. He made the decision for himself. So that's going to rub some fans the wrong way. And that decision for the fans to boo has triggered a certainly a huge blowback from either national media from Colts players, from other players across the NFL. I want to read a couple things that some people said. Ryan Kelly, I won't read specifically, but I'll just say that was BS. He did not um, censor himself. He didn't say BS. No, I will censor myself, but that was BS, just plain and simple. Kenny Moore says it was disrespectful. He doesn't deserve that. Chris Bauer that night said just when uh, talking about those fans, just think of what he's done for the team and think of what he's done for this city. If you go beyond the Indianapolis Colts locker room, Aaron Rodgers called it disgusting. Former Stanford teammate of Andrew Luck, David DeCastro, says people treat us like we're circus animals. So the blowback was harsh for fans booing Andrew Luck. Here's my thought on that. I think that I understand the blowback because 
especially from players, they want to defend their own. I also completely understand the fans' perspective as well. The five stages of grief, our Chris Hagen tweeted that out that night. The first one is denial, and that's what we were talking about earlier. Your first stage is, that can't be the real Adam Schefter account right now. There's, there can't be a blue check mark. That's got to be a, a, a fake Twitter. But it was not, and ESPN pushed it out, so you're quickly past the denial stage. Andrew Luck is retiring because you take Adam Schefter's word as law. Number two is anger. And that is where every single Colts fan was at that time. That's the second stage of grief, anger. I don't expect a stadium full of fans to move past that second stage so quickly that they can just say, oh, let bygones be got bygones. We're done, especially two weeks from the regular season, especially from a season that was supposed to be bring your team back to, if not AFC championship contention, Lombardi contention, perhaps. Definitely AFC South, the favorites. I, I don't expect fans to move past that that quickly, and they shouldn't. The, the, the quote about David DeCastro saying we're circus animals, I don't think fans think that they're circus animals for the most part. There might be some that come out and say, you're here for my enjoyment, and that's it. Get out there and play. Tough it up, suck it up, and go do it. I don't think the majority of fans think that way, but what they do think is this player made a commitment by signing a contract. The contract goes both ways. The team commits to you. And you commit to the team. So they can look at that contract and say, hey, Andrew Luck is signed, sealed, and delivered. He made a commitment to play. So I can make a commitment to do something. I signed contracts with different things. My cable provider, I signed a contract with a lawn service. And if I leave the contract, there are penalties to me. And there, that's why contracts exist. So both parties can go in with mutually assured outcomes or mutually agreed upon outcomes. And consequences. And consequences, exactly. And when you do this two weeks before the regular season, people bring up other issues like Robert Smith for the Vikings retiring, or Barry Sanders for the Lions retiring, well in their prime. Those things happened at the end of a season. They didn't happen two weeks before a regular season. And so, during a game. Or during a game specifically, exactly, Joe. So, so like I'm saying, I understand the fans' perspective here completely. Completely. And maybe it's partially because I grew up in Philadelphia and boos are expected, you know, to be perfectly honest. You guys booed Santa Claus. Yeah, well, well, hold on. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not going to get into that. You're, you're, you're just trolling me right now. There was a reason for that, a good reason. Just like I believe there's a stronger reason here. If fans want to boo, they have the right to do so. Calling it disgusting is ridiculous. Calling it, saying that people treat us like we're circus animals in this case is ridiculous. I get the fans' perspective. I get the players' perspective. That they're upset as well. It, it's the measured response, which is not the co- not the popular response because it doesn't generate the the huge um, division between two sides. Is both sides are right. Players are right in that they're defending this guy who made a decision for his future, for himself, for his family. The fans are right in the fact that. Andrew Luck made a commitment to this team through the contract. Andrew Luck was just two weeks away from the season. It's not like football, the game changed between the end of the last regular season and the beginning of this regular season. It was always a dangerous game. It's always a physically challenging game. So, yeah, you're going through something right now, but we're so close to actually fulfilling what you're supposed to do that to step away at this time, you should be upset. And that's that's a perfectly reasonable reaction. So like I said, I think both sides have a legitimate have a legitimate position to stand on. But going as far as to say that one side is completely wrong or something is BS or people are circus animals, treat, treat them as circus animals, I, I, I think that's, that's taking things too far, Mike. One, one thing, this entire thing needs context. His decision and in one context about the booing, we're talking about the fourth quarter of the third preseason game when starters were not going to play. So my only question is, who was there in, in the fourth quarter at 9.30, well, 10.30, booing? And, and and I'm not defending the fan base. I'm not. But but how many of, of, of the longtime Colts season ticket holders and, and the solid fan base was still there? This might have been your, your neighbor who you gave your tickets to. This might have been Bears fans. This might have been whoever. So, so I, I do not believe this was a reflection or an indication of the, of the majority of the fan base because I think most of those guys, if they were smart, they were home on their recliners hmm. watching the end of the game. 
having said that, I've I don't pay to get into games. And you know, right. I, I, I'm in the press box and I have a press pass. If someone can point it out, I'll say I'm wrong, but I don't know that I've ever criticized fans for voicing their opinion, as long as it's, you know, I guess not not legal so you don't get kicked out, but as long as you're not being offensive, knock yourself out. Mm -hmm. So I do, I talked to Jack Dole, he said, I heard that, I didn't like it. I think most people would will regret that. And, and I hope... I think so too. And I hope Long they term. do. I, I hope that... When, in, in, I asked Andrew Luck after the game. I said, did you hear it? He said, yeah, I did. He said, and it hurt. Mm -hmm. I, I would like to think that... I would like to hope that his last time here wasn't to booze. But until he's back, you know, ring of honor, whatever you want to say, that's what will be his lasting memory, is being booed off the field that he did so many good things for. But... Again, I I think the initial thing was an emotional reaction. It was it was an anger. It mm -hmm. was. Uh, I don't buy into the fact that they were upset that somebody leaked it and all that. I, no, that it, it no. was it was just a visceral thing where it, it struck a chord that they didn't care for. But you know, it, it's a small subplot to it. But it's it, it did catch on nationally and it cast it it nationally cast a very bad shadow on the Colts fan base. And I, again, I would contend that it was a very small portion of that fan base, and, and there were probably some Bears fans mixed in there as well. And I want to bring up what Darius Leonard said, too, earlier in the week. He said, selfishly, I was upset at first. So there you go. props to Darius for being honest about this, because you're getting reactions from players that are just so so anti what what the fan against what the fans did Darius credit to him for admitting and I bet if other players were honest they would be in this exact same boat I guarantee that locker room is not completely unified in the fact that from the beginning they're like oh Andrew do whatever you want there's no way that that's the case and Darius says himself selfishly I was upset at first but when I got home I sat down I thought about it and looking at all the stuff Andrew's been through all the pain sitting out of season missing 26 games in seven years I understand it. The game we play is not easy. No one understands that because nobody plays it but us. The game takes a toll on your body, on your mind. If you're not all the way in, it's going to beat you up. I think he made a great decision, and I support him. So Darius Leonard working through those stages of grief to acceptance eventually, the very last one. He, he was in anger. He was upset at first, like he said, as I think is a reasonable reaction. But eventually he got to that point saying, yeah, he made a great decision eventually. He supports him fully, and I agree with you. If, if you give truth serum to to the players, uh, there's going to be a handful of them that are going to say, "You quit on us." Yep. And, and you know, I, I can think of four or five guys in my mind. What about some free agents that came here in the offseason thinking this team? You know, Justin Houston. And, I, and I'm not saying he's saying this, but he came here with express purposes. You know, this is a place ready to contend, mm -hmm. and they still might. But I, I just, if if you believe that these players don't have that in their mind, you're wrong. Devin Funches came to catch passes from right. Andrew Luck. I, he probably had other, he definitely had other options. Eric Ebron last year came here and looked like yep. it for his career. So you think mm -hmm. he's not thinking in his mind, boy, dude, you're you're leaving me hanging here. And that's not to disrespect Brissett. It's just that you know th 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 this was set up perfectly. You finally get the roster where it needs to be. You know, I've contended it's the best roster in, in ten years, and you had the quarterback in place. And now you, what you're facing is a is a roster that is as strong as at 52 as it's been. Yet that one spot, there's uncertainty. So if 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 players are, whatever word you want to use, disappointed, upset, whatever, mm -hmm. I understand it. I want to touch on another thing before we move on to Jacoby Brissett and uh, and his present and future with the franchise. And that's kind of maybe more reason why the fans are upset, not just at Andrew Luck, but I, I anticipate they were upset at just the Colts franchise as well, because th this franchise and by the franchise, I mean, kind of the brain trust. I mean, Frank Reich. I mean, Chris Ballard. I mean, Jim, Jim Irsay. They, they have built up hope over the entire summer and the fall. And even beyond that, Jim Irsay said multiple times, whenever you talk to him, it's the, the goal for Andrew Luck is he's going to win multiple Lombardies here. So that is the standard that Jim Irsay set. And Andrew Luck, with his retirement, did not live up to that standard. So that's the message that fans have been hearing from Jim Irsay, the team owner, for months and months, if not years and years, that Andrew Luck is going to win multiple Lombardis with this franchise. And that should be your goal as the number one pick and a guy who's a pro bowler, all pro, and et cetera, et cetera. 
But when you hear that multiple times, when you hear Frank Reich say that, oh, he'd play this weekend if there was a game throughout the summer, we're just resting him up for now so he's 100% come the fall, when you hear Chris Ballard just say, we're just getting ready for the Chargers and not really throw out any words of caution about Andrew Luck at that time at the beginning of training camp, you get a little jaded with that when things completely fall through the floor. Well, and, and it goes back to the 2017 season when they were at the, at, the, at the very least not totally honest, not honest at all about where Luck was. I, mean, I can remember talking to Ursay outside the locker room. Was it the third or fourth preseason game mm -hmm. where you know we expecting to be here? You know, all this and it wasn't to be. Mm -hmm. So so it's the fans. So the fan base does have questions about how much you trust management and you you tweeted yourself that we should all agree andrew luck took way too much abuse throughout his career so this has been a recurring problem with the colts with andrew luck just his care specifically so fans are, are upset at at the colts for that just his Correct. care over the years and um i one one football analyst warren sharp who i don't know if you remember he he's the one who really eviscerated the colts at the end of the 2017 season detailing their fourth quarter uh, play calling and personnel groupings and tweeted out this this huge thread saying, hey, if they were in this personnel grouping, they were running the ball to the left 100 percent of the right. time. So he, he he really raked the Colts over the coals. But one thing that he points out, and I think this is something that a lot of um, a lot of fans, again, this is adding to the vitriol in the moment when Andrew Luck retires, he says, like Ryan, this, these are his words. I think this is this is a very harsh way to put it. He says Ryan Grigson killed Andrew Luck's career. He was pressured 16 times per game under Grigson's watch, the most in the NFL, and hit the most out of any quarterback. From 2012 to 2015, Grigson drafted just three O linemen. So in the first four years of Andrew Luck's career, he drafted just three offensive linemen before the seventh round of the draft. One in the second round. Jack, that, that was Jack, Jack Newport, Newport, I believe. And other than that, it was Hugh Thornton and Collard Holmes. Other than that, it was all seventh-round picks on the offensive line. So uh, all, all that is adding up to what happened in the moment with the fans. They, you have to take it in complete context for what, the, what they've been through and what is bubbling up in the moment when Andrew Luck decides to retire. They're mad at him. They're mad at the Colts, for sure, and how uh, they treated their star quarterback and— now the Colts have to move on to Jacoby Brissett. And again, what, what really riles them up is like we've talked about is after all that we've talked about, all, all the not protecting your franchise quarterback through the years and all this stuff, you finally have everything in place. And if not the Cleveland Browns, the Colts were the darlings of the offseason. They were one of the top five or six Super Bowl favorites. You've got, the, as we said, we've got the roster in place. You've got receivers. You've got one of the best offensive lines. A defense is it, 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 rounding into shape was top 10 last year. You've got a quarterback who what, threw 39 touchdowns last year, comeback player of the year, and then he's gone. So I, I understand the anger. I do. Uh, I, I just I – just, I, I, part of me wishes the fan base and everyone would cut luck a break, and I understand that's not where – it's not the environment we're in. <laughs> uh, I just – I don't buy into the – the 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 conspiracy theories and I've heard some things about other reasons he's walked away that you can't get into because of what it would do with, with well first of all you can't you can't verify can't it. confirm it right so, so. I, I just until people can prove otherwise th this was a guy as we've talked about and, and we maybe still talk about is he was at the end of his rope he and, and People, I've seen people say, well, this is starting a trend of players walking away. No, no, no. I don't think so. <laughs> this is an aberration. Yes. This was a guy who was in the position. He's made $100 million. He's got a wife, a kid on the way, and he simply wasn't all in. And I remember talking to Quentin Coriot back in the, wherever it was, the 1990s, up at Anderson University during training camp. He'd been hurt, hurt. And we're in the end zone. I said, so when are you going to play again? When are you going to get out here and practice? He says, when I'm 100%. Well, you're, you're just not. You're never 100% in the talk NFL. Talk to Gary Bracket. Talk to anybody. <laughs> you're never. So when a player tells you, until I'm 100%, I'm going to play, I won't play again, he's checked out. Mm -hmm. And w w one issue that I've gotten, the fact that I've been a writer forever, I, I tend to take my words seriously as in, in the black and white world of the NFL – Andrew Luck quit. He flat quit, you know, and I don't like that phrase. It's a bad connotation. He he retired. He he decided enough was enough. And if you want to say that he quit, go ahead. 
But to say that, then you're not giving context to what he did, and that's unfair. And I realize unfair is a relative term, too, because, you know, <laughs> life's not fair. But I, I just hope that when, when the anger, what's stage three, acceptance? We're getting to there. It's bargaining is okay, next. Okay. okay, but I hope when we get there that we will <laughs> step back and, and, and take some of the emotion out of it, realize what he did bring to this franchise, the excellence he brought to the franchise, what he gave to the franchise, that was, I'm talking his body, mm-hmm. and just say, good for you, happy life. And if bargaining is the next step in the five stages of grief, that makes you think kind of what you were touching on a few minutes ago, and that's, well, the Colts do have their best roster maybe in 10 years. And If only Grigson had protected him better. If only well, yeah. if only he got the ball out quicker, he wouldn't have been hit as much. That, that's, that's the stage I hit pretty quickly. Okay, okay. <laughs> but right now you can, you can say, well, maybe the Colts aren't so bad because they have a great roster. Jacoby Brissett... What he went through two years ago in 2017 was a far worse roster, a far worse you offensive can, You can't line. even com- compare the situation. No, you cannot. So now all eyes are squarely on the 26-year-old entering his fourth NFL season, his third with the Colts, his second under Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni, entering the final year of his contract. If you look at it specifically in a vacuum like that, this is one heck of an opportunity for Jacoby Brissett because he is in the last year of his deal and can really make some waves with a talented roster around him and an offensive line that showed last year that it's one of the best in the NFL at protecting the quarterback. I would argue that if not now, when? For Jacoby Brissett. Again, for all the reasons you said, I mean, in, in 2017, he's, he comes here on, what was it, September 2nd? Mm-hmm. And listen, Traded two, Philip Dorsett. And, and, and Dorsett's now been in New England longer than he was here. Yeah. But, but he, he, two weeks later, he's starting. And he never really had a grasp of the playbook. He was learning on the fly, had an awful offensive line, 52 sacks. And that what they were, they were four and 11 with him. And if I, if I remember, they set or tied an NFL record by blowing the mo- most fourth quarter leads. They did. Yes. So, so they could have, you know, four, four and 12 could have been, I don't know, seven and nine. If you just had a little bit more knowledge of the playbook, if you were here for a couple more weeks in the preseason, and, and, cha- and change bargaining again, one or two plays, <laughs> every mistake they made that year was devastating. Whether mm-hmm. it was a pick six in Cincy when you're leading, whatever it was, and now again, you, you spelled this out. He's got one of the best offensive lines. He's got he's got a quality running back. He's got three Pro Bowlers at skill positions. He's got Paris Campbell coming in. He's got Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni. It, it, and again, the motivation too. Selfishly, we've, we've used that word before. It's a contract here. He's going to make two million dollars this year. I went back and looked. I, I don't know what to anticipate. Let, let's say he's good, not great, but good. Mm-hmm. And they go eight and eight, nine and seven, whatever. What kind of a contract does he look for? Case Keenum got like two years, thirty-six million dollars. <sighs> Case Keenum. Yeah. Now, if he's your floor, then, then what's said? If you if you decide it sometime at the end of the season. Brissett's your guy. What's his contract? It's going to be a big contract, if mm-hmm. not here somewhere else. So everything is lined up for him to succeed. Uh, I, I kind of check, re- reset my expectations to maybe seven and nine, and I'm probably lowballing it mm-hmm. because they, they won four games with him in 17 against really a pretty crappy schedule. They remember they played like three or four of the worst teams in the league, and right. they, they lost to one of them. Was it Arizona or somebody? San Francisco. They beat, they beat, they San beat Francisco. Mm-hmm. They, they beat, beat Cleveland, the Browns. And they lost to uh, maybe it was yeah it was I think it Arizona was Arizona in overtime yeah. his first start yeah so it, it's just you know get back with me at the end of September let, let me see how this two away from home and then Atlanta and and Oakland we're gonna know yeah we're gonna know early on whether there's still a chance for something you know the AFC South is competitive but there there's not that team you say oh boy mm-hmm. how are you gonna chase the Texans or Jacksonville. So I've seen most of the odds makers where the, the Colts were gone from the favorite in the division to now fourth. Yep. But it's not like there's still a big gap between one and four. So we're going to know early on whether Brissett is going to make this work or whether it won't. For their, for their win-loss number in Vegas, what I've seen is it's gone from nine and a half wins over-under to six and a half wins over-under. So if I you would say seven over. is, yeah. I, I would take the over. Okay. Okay. But, but again, I think we'll know because – I just don't think this is going to crash and burn. I, I, the roster is too good for this just to not be competitive. I, it, it's, it's just not because, again, I don't want to give the front office guys too much credit, but, but Ballard has done the job of re, totally reconstructing this roster. 
in the steady hand that you had with Frank Reich, I'm telling you, he was he came in Monday, and if you didn't know he was an ordained minister, you'd think you were at church hmm. because he just, he's just got that you know calming influence, and I can imagine that this this young team sat up and listened, and, and I just and it's not BS, it's not. So I I just think that again things are in place for this not to be a dumpster fire. I th- I think things are in place for it to be interesting, not you know not like it would have been with Luck because you know people that still hate the guy, he was top five. He was the top five, top six quarterback, and you do special things with those guys. But now we just we, we, we've gone from a special guy to a guy that you hope is up for the task. So how how do you guys envision? the offense changing with Brissett instead of Luck. You know, before with Luck, the Colts could hang with anybody. The, the Chiefs, they could hang with any team in the league. With Brissett, they're going to have to win a certain way. They're not going to be able to necessarily hang in those shootouts because they're, there's Brissett's a nice player, but there's a drop-off, no doubt. So is this be, going to become more of a running team and slow the game down and try and not do so many possessions? How do you see that affecting the game plan in the 2019 season? I think that's a great question, Joe, and I, I, I do agree with you. It's going to be a lot more methodical. It's going to be slowing things down. Frank Reich has talked all offseason about wanting to be a top-five rushing team in the league. Well, he might be forced into that now because Jacoby Brissett is just not Andrew Luck. I think he has arm talent for sure, but I, I think, Mike, you'll agree with me, but looking over the offseason and especially the pre, what's happened in the preseason and training camp, Jacoby Brissett hasn't been all that impressive. He's been okay, for sure, and certainly improved dramatically from Game 1 in the preseason to Game 2 in the preseason. Looked far, far better. And there really had a lot of success with his tight ends. And that's something he did two years ago. He, he made Jack Doyle a pro bowler because he was... 80 catches. Exactly. So, so look for Doyle. Look for Ebron. I think it probably bumps up Jack Doyle. We're talking fantasy maybe a little bit earlier before we were on the show. Uh, it bumps up those guys a bit. It takes T.Y. Hilton and Devin Funches down a bit. Who knows what Paris Campbell's going to do right now? He's going to see his first preseason action in Game Four against the Bengals. That's the plan, at least. Is what there's the Colts a game on Thursday. Us. I don't know, no, yeah. <laughs> but hopefully, there's a game that is completely uh, that is that is completely innocuous, like Game Three was supposed to be. Um, unlike last year when Ross Travis got injured in that, like one of the final plays of the game uh, fourth preseason game. So um, it's going to have to be a little bit more run game oriented. It's going to be more short pass game oriented. I think Brissett does have a cannon, but at the same time, he's not uh, hes not as athletic as Andrew Luck was to be able to roll out and escape pressure and, um, and be able to throw and make something happen out of more of a busted play, which what Andrew and... Uh, has done with T.Y. For, for years and years, it seems. So um, so I think the offense is not going to be quite as explosive with Jacoby Brissett, and they're going to have to practice what Frank Reich has been preaching all summer, and that is run the ball a little bit more. But having said that, he, Frank was asked on Monday about how will the offense change, and he sort of said it won't. Uh, now, whether he's just kind of whistling Dixie or whatever, I don't know, but his point is that uh, he, he mentioned like when he was in Buffalo and Jim Kelly's running the K-gun, and when Kelly got hurt, they thought, well, when Frank goes in, they're going to change. He said, no, we ran the K-gun, even though I'm not the talented player he was. So let, let's say that they're going to decide in, in the past they were 60-40 pass with, with luck. It's going to be 55-45. Well, the problem is if you go into the season saying we're going to be a run team, that until you prove you can be a pass team, they're just going to load the box on you and make it tough to run. So I, I think they're going to try to run the offense as much as they can. There probably won't be as many – Shots down the field, but they have to run the offense to make the running game work. Again, I, I never, I always joke with Frank that, and we had a bet about a top five rush team. I, I said, I'll, I'll bet you a buck and I'll go ahead and spend it and know I'm not going to owe this later on. <laughs> but his point is, we want to run when we, when we want to run and when we have to run. But I still think they have to be a team that accentuates their talent, which is T.Y. Hilton and Funches and, and Campbell and and the tight ends, and because if you don't, you're going to have Mac running into stack fronts, and it's not going to work. So, again, I don't think they're going to be as you know wide open as they might have been, but they still have to throw the ball. And as far as shootouts, how much you've got to hope that your defense doesn't allow that to happen, right? To, to where it's not going to be, we need to score thirty. One stat that I've always found stunning 
I, I get sometimes too hung up on stats, but in the Luck era, they the, the Colts were like 34-1 and one when the defense held the opponents to 17 points. And the only uh, aberration was the 6-0 loss at Jacksonville last year. So when the defense holds you to 17, you win. Now, whether the, this defense should should do that, it should be close because this is a better defense. You've got better players. You're deeper, better pass rush. So, But at the same time, the quarterback, we've talked about, he's got to make, you can't just manage a game. You, you, you can't. So you have to have four, five, six plays a game to where the quarterback converts third and seven, completes a drive in the red zone, whatever, and avoids the, the crippling turnovers, which Frank Reich's going to harp on. You know, it's, it's the old Tony Dungeon thing where more games are lost than won. But at some, at some point every game, Brissett is going to have to make the play. Mm-hmm. And whether that's a deep ball to Hilton, whatever it is. So, so will we see a, a more conservative game? Maybe. But I just think they have to still be who they are. And maybe it'll prove me wrong, but I still think they have to throw the ball. Frank says you never throw the ball to create, to help or run to stop to, to establish the, the passing game. I still think they're going to be a team that's going to throw the ball more than people think they will with Brissett. So how well Jacob Brissett does there will determine um, many things. It will determine whether he could be a long-term answer for this team. It will determine how hard the Colts look at a 2020 quarterback in next year's draft. E- either way, I think that the Colts will look somewhere at quarterback next year in the draft because uh, wh- whether it's for a starter or a backup, either way, because I just don't think you want to go in uh, with Philip Dor- uh, Philip Walker Walker and uh, and Swag Kelly as uh, as your two and three if if it makes it all the way to next year like that. And I'm still not even ruling out the possibility the Colts bring in a veteran right now, even though I don't think that's the most likely outcome. I think that um, they'll probably. Uh, they'll probably stand pat, but it's it's also interesting what they'll do for week one. I guess at the quarterback position, well, I think they're locked into what they do in week one. What do you think they do? It, it's going to be uh, Brissett, Philip Walker. Well, it has to be because Chad Kelly, of Correct. course, is suspended. And but now, will he make that spot and then get suspended, or well, do, do they cut him? Well, but I don't think it works. I think the way it works is as soon as you when, when you make the cuts on fifty three, mm-hmm. Kelly automatically goes on the on the reserve suspended list. Okay, it's not like like it like let, let's say. Uh, Jabal shared with his knee injury. Yeah. If they want to put him on IR with the idea of bringing him back, he makes your 53, and then you put him on IR, then you can bring him back. If you put him on IR today, he's done. Mm-hmm. So with Kelly, he will automatically go on the suspended list, won't count against your 53. I expect him to keep Brissett Walker, and then in week three, you've got a decision to make. Yep. And in my mind, for what I've seen, you bring – Chad Kelly, Chad there. Kelly back, yeah. and then you know if if you want Philip Walker in, you put him back on the practice squad. But and then the question you have to ask internally, and and trust me, they will. Do we trust Chad Kelly? Not on the field. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this guy's. Do we trust Chad Kelly? Period. Period. That, that, yeah, I want everywhere. My, the the one the overriding talent you want in your quarterback is decision making, and that's the one thing that he's lacked off the field. So. But I would they maybe bring in a quarterback who's waived uh, Saturday? Maybe the problem you run into is he's got zero, you know, uh, info on on your offense and all that. So I, I think they would be somewhat comfortable if they're comfortable with Chad Kelly's off field possibilities. I could see him being the backup week three. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, picking pickings are slim. I mean, yeah, Josh true. McCown just got pulled out of retirement to become the backup for the Eagles. Uh, you guys should have seen it. Um, Selma, Mike Sullivan, when the reporters got a f- notification on their phone, it ended up being fake, but said that the Colts have signed Colin Kaepernick, and the newsroom exploded. <laughs> how did how did he get that notification? It on was his from phone. Twitter, and Twitter sent him a notification like tweets you might like, and it was some you know spoof account. And he got that and goes, oh, my gosh, the Colts signed Colin Kaepernick in the whole new – it was like 15 minutes before our 10 o'clock show, and the newsroom just God, I'm glad I missed that one. Me too. <laughs> I, that, like, first of all, no. <laughs> yeah. Just no. And Second if, of all, uh, hell no. Yeah. If, if you've spent one minute in, in a press conference with Jim Ursay or Chris Ballard, that's, that, that's a no. It's a hard no. Um, and, and you could – we could debate the merits of that, but – 
I have absolutely no interest in doing so. But um, but but you but your point is, is it's well taken, and we'll see what happens after this year. Yeah, are are they all in with Brissett? And if that's mm-hmm. the case, you're going to pay him accordingly. I mean, we're mm-hmm. talking start at twenty million. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and and move your way up. I got to imagine one year they'll want to see more of it. I got to think if he plays you, well, he you, gets a franchise. That's possible, which is probably going to be what twenty twenty five. That, 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 that's a good. That's a good point. They, they yeah. could do that now. Make him prove it again. That's good, right. Good point, Joe. But but again, then then do you do you think that again Kelly's your long term backup, or again then do you go for for a veteran? Do you look mm-hmm. in the draft? I, I don't know if they're going. If you think that Brissett's your quarterback, I don't know if you invest a high pick in a quarterback in the draft next year. And Jacoby Brissett's performance this year will have certainly much far much more far-reaching implications than just the quarterback room as well. It's going to go into every position group in the Colts, and specifically when it comes to looking at next year's free agents, Mike. I mean, do they keep Costanzo. Anthony Costanzo? That, that's number one right now, because we've been talking about that all summer. Why haven't the Colts re-signed, locked in Anthony Costanzo? Well, or, 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 all, or made plans to have life after Costanzo, right. which they haven't done. Exactly. So he's there. You have guys like a Jabal Sheard after this year. Um, do you start rebuilding a little bit more because Eric, you Eric never Ebron, have and, Jack, and Doyle. Jack Doyle? Both of those Funches. guys. Does Devin Funches? Do those guys want Adam to resign? Vinatieri. That was the one I was getting to. Joe's boy, Adam Vinatieri. Does he want to come back for another year if Andrew Luck is not in this locker room? And that, that, in my mind, that will depend on what the, is is this year six and ten? Is this year nine and seven? And boy, yeah. we see something. Mm-hmm. Because the motivation for Vinatieri is to win another title. It's right. not to run up the points to where no one no. can catch him. No. It's championships. And that's why he said all the right things on uh, – we talked to him yesterday. Mm-hmm. I think he was deep down saying, really, guy? You're, you're really not going to finish this out? So, mm-hmm. But, again, you're, it's got so many dominoes, ripple effects of, of what is going to happen. And, like you talk, free agency is one of them. <sighs> And you don't know. You no, simply you don't. You know, it's now we can postulate, and that that's it right now. It, what what happens at the end of the season is going to determine be determined by the next sixteen, seventeen weeks. I go, I go back to the uh, 2017 season when they went out there and to in Los Angeles of all places, and Scott Tolzien was a quarterback. Hmm, that didn't last. And I'm, very not, long. I'm not saying even remotely that the expectations were what they are for Brissett, but it took like one pass to think, oh boy, yeah, that's it. A pick six, and you thought, you know. This isn't going to work. Yeah, a lot of us had that idea anyway because we didn't see much of Tolzien, no matter what. Yeah, coaches said, yeah, he's a great. You know, we see we see this on the practice field. No, we see the same thing on the practice field. So, and again, to keep just to keep in mind with Brissett, you, you you've seen some of what he brings uh, during 2017, but during this year, we've seen a very uneven quarterback. We have. And what you hope is your last impression was your best impression, and that was that last drive against uh, the Browns. Mm-hmm. The preseason is going into my head. A touchdown drive. But beyond that, if, if, you'd, if, if he, that had been a three-and-out drive, you'd be worried like heck right now going into the season. Totally. Completely. One, one more thing before we move on. I'm yeah. I wanted to take a look at the division and mm-hmm. kind of you know look at the Colts' playoff chances because – you kind of mentioned before, it's not like there's any juggernaut in division. Houston's offensive line is still one of the worst in the league, and it looks like they're about to trade away Jadavion Clowney. Now, whether they get a lineman for him, we'll see. Whatever but. they get for him, because you only have him for one year if you're a team trading for him. The time to trade him for a long-term deal was in the past, so I don't know how much they're going to get in return. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt, but go ahead. Just no, want to throw that fine. out there. That's a great point. They'd not only be giving up something to get him, but they'd be paying the money right. as well. So Houston has to be the front runner, but then you look at the other teams, Tennessee and Jacksonville, if the Colts are trying to slow things down a little bit, that kind of plays into what Tennessee and Jacksonville are trying to do. So they're not going to out-defense and run the ball of Tennessee and Jacksonville. That's that's why I'm not on board with with that argument, but, but, uh, you're, but you're right. Yeah, so just kind of keeping in mind all the teams in division and what the Colts now have to work with, how do you guys see that playing out going into the season? I'd argue, and I've seen some people actually argue, is Brissett the second-best quarterback in the division? Behind uh, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson? Watson? Well, Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. 
with a really, really good team around him. I know. Would you rather have Nick Foles right now as your quarterback or Jacoby Brissett? I'd take Nick Foles. I would, too. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. Yes. I don't want Marcus Mariota because, well, as as a Colts fan— Ryan Tannehill might be their starting quarterback for crying out loud. Yeah, the the Colts have seen the worst of Marcus Mariota over the years. So it's hard for us in the media to say, uh, to look past all that, you know, because, I mean, he showed promise against other teams for sure. I mean, they were one win away from a playoff last year. The Colts beat him in that one, but— I, I would be hard pressed to pick Marcus Mariota right now over. I, I would. You're, I, I would take Nick Foles over over Brissett simply mm-hmm. because of what Frank was able to do with him. Yep. You know, and it's a little bit different how uh, Wentz went down and then Foles took over. The Eagles were eleven and two when when Wentz went down. Wentz was going to be the MVP of the league that right. season. I, right. I still maintain that he was right. going to be the MVP. Now Foles came in and did a great job, Super Bowl and all that stuff, but. Uh, uh, I, I, I want to see him do it down there in that dysfunctional family of Jaguars. If he does, good. But I think he has so many knuckleheads down there that I, I just I, – I'm back to where I don't trust the Jaguars, and it's not it's not fair, but that's where I am. Again, Tennessee, I, I've, I, I just don't see Mariota being the guy. And Houston, I get blinded by – we've talked – they're stars. Mm-hmm. I do, but all they really have are stars. Yeah. When you when you want to compare rosters in, in the division, the Colts have the best roster top to bottom, mm-hmm. but they've got the they got the most unsettled position at quarterback of the other three teams. I I, sh- I shouldn't say that Tennessee, again, very much Tannehill could be deserved. Yep. the starting the starting quarterback spot. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that the uh, the Jaguars have going for them, Mike, is uh, their uh, their kind of czar down there, Tom Coughlin, and uh, head coach Doug Marone. Both those guys. Syracuse University graduates, so uh, I, I have my full faith in in the uh, the organization of the. You've got to work that in, don't you? I mean, it's, it's in my contract, and and I, I like to follow my contract. Uh, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned that Steve Ishmael's on IR. Oh God! No, we, we had to bring that up. The, the last the last podcast I did, I think, before leaving was the, the Steve Ishmael podcast. I, I still have faith in um, Zaire Franklin to to carry the Syracuse University flag. For uh, for the Colts this season until we see Dwight Freeney come back and uh, yes. join uh, join the Ring of Honor. And we sometime. talked to Freeney during uh, training camp. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good good guy. Uh, so let's uh, let's get into a little bit of preseason talk and fifty uh, three man roster cuts before we wrap up this edition of the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Uh, recapping the Bears game, I think watching it from back home again when I was uh, taking care of a newborn baby, I think that uh, Deion Kane certainly stood out among among everybody there as. A guy who continues to impress. He has shows a talent to make big plays. And like you have said since the beginning of the, this preseason, I was a little bit more on the fence, but he's almost he has guaranteed himself a roster. He's spot. number four. Yes, he's number four on the list. And it was really unfortunate when they lose uh, Reese Fountain. Yeah, it I was. think he he was number five. So uh, f- five or six. With, with you know we we tend to gloss over Chester Rogers, but Dion Kane. We was talking to him in the locker room yesterday. This is a big kid. He's just big, and he's next to Ty Hilton, which makes him even look more. Uh, <laughs> I kind of look a little big, right? Looking, yeah. No, so, I don't. so again, that, that's, and that's why I go. That's why I go back to to, to this team still going to be a sort of push the ball because that's where their talent is. It just it just is, and I think Frank believes Frank Reich believes in his system. He believes he, he says Jacoby Brissett's a top twenty quarterback. I, I know. I don't know whether he's he's just trying to if he says that enough, it's true. But, but uh, I I did see some good things from the Bears game, until you know until lightning came through the open roof. So, uh, but but again, we mentioned briefly the uh, roster cuts are Saturday by is it four o'clock? Mm-hmm. Yes, where they're going to cut to fifty three. Mm-hmm. And I happen I just happen to think that if, if Ballard and Reich sat down right now, they could come up with fifty three and feel and feel real good about it. I just don't. I just don't know that there's someone who can jump out and earn a spot and change their minds. Maybe I'm wrong, but we'll see. If you're looking at the, I guess the the biggest battles right now, perhaps for those for those final 53, those final spots. Um, I think somewhat on a defensive end, uh, maybe a uh, Alkadine Muhammad and Gary Green. Those guys battling. Jabal shared situation impacts that exactly completely. Um, at linebacker, um, a good battle between my boy Zaire Franklin, uh, Matthew Adams, Sky Moore. Um, maybe one of those three, I think, makes it because um, other than that, you have. Well, you'll be in mourning if it's not your two. guy. I know. Maybe two of those three make it. Let, let, let's hope. Let's, let's all hope. Um, 
And uh, cornerback got a little bit less interesting today as the Colts, um, the, the New York Jets tweeted out that they've agreed to a deal with the Colts. They've sent a sixth round pick to Indy in exchange for Nate Hairston. That, that tells me that Harrison was not going to make the roster. Yes, completely. Uh, maybe Marvell Tell is, is the last. Jalen Collins just has had a not, not a good preseason. No. If you can get a sixth-round pick for a guy that you were going to cut, kudos. Right away. Go out and do it, for sure. So, I mean, I think you might look at what, what was Harrison, a, a fifth-round pick or so. a couple years ago? So that's, and, and he showed you some stuff, and, yeah. then, he, and then he didn't show he you stuff. He started a few games and then had that bad game at Oakland that I've talked about last year. But but he has shown that he can start in this league. That was a bad game for him, absolutely. I was just going to say 11 starts over his yeah. two seasons, so he, he's shown some flashes. If, if there's one spot that is still up in the air, if we just had one spot, it would be tight end where it's it's Ross Travis or Hale Hinchkiss and it, and it just depends on what what's your what flavor do you like? Mm-hmm. Do you want Jack Doyle part two with Hinchkiss who who may develop into that, who, who's more of a blocker, or do you want Ross Travis who gives you that matchup down the field? And I, I I really think that's probably the one that they really don't know yet. And then running backs a mess. Because I, I, in, in my mind, Charkandrick West. Uh, well, in my mind, the there, there four are Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines, Jordan Wilkins, and Jonathan Williams. Mm-hmm. And the last two are hurt. So how does that play into it? Do, 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 are you going to carry Wilkins and Sherrod as part of your fifty-three and hope it's only a week or two? Do you put one of them on IR? Uh, I don't. I, you know, we talked to Frank Reich the other day about it, and he really gave no no update. Mm-hmm. And here we are, you know, a little more than a week out. It won't shock me if one of those is on IR with the you know with the idea with of bringing the idea him to back. Return, yes. And my my guess would be Jabal shared, which if, if you're on IR, I believe that's eight games or eight weeks. I think b- you're right. Before yeah, you can come season. back, so that's half a season. But uh, if if you think a guy's going to miss four or five games, that's what you do. Hmm. Um, let's see here. Uh, Colts Bengals is the final preseason game. We don't want to get too too much into that because because that, because no one cares exactly. And and like we've said, we think most of the fifty three is pretty set right now. It's only those couple of positions that are that are uh, really up in 28th, the twenty eighth meeting of the preseason between the Colts and Bengals. Uh, See, I, I did read the press release. Wow, I I absolutely did not. Well, it was a fir- it was a fir- it was the first sentence in the press release, and then I quit. Well, congratulations to you. <laughs> um, uh, any, any more thoughts from just watching this preseason as a whole? Any other guys that have uh, been impressive to you or uh, thoughts that um, have, have piqued your interest? And even though not much from the preseason uh, typically piques, piques our interest. Anything standing out, Mike? No, again, the ones that – well, Paris Campbell. Let's mention him. Yeah. Paris Campbell, he, he, missed the last, he, he, he missed the last 12 practices at training camp. Practice for the first time in a long time Monday. Practice Tuesday. He's gonna, supposed to play. Against the Bengals, so there there is a reason, at least for the first quarter, to watch. This is a guy that they have monster expectations for, so we'll see. He'll probably play a series or two, but then you you, you know, Rakjasin did so much during preseason, and uh, Kari Willis. Uh, I think they got big plans for these guys. So it's just that when when we were held hostage by the quarterback for all of the offseason, all preseason. I guess at least now in your five steps of, of, of whatever, we, we, we can move on. Mm-hmm. We're not, you know, we're not in, in I think number one is the hostage stage mm-hmm. and we're, we're, we're out of that. So at least, at least there is, I hate to use, use the word closure because there's never, there's never closure. It's just, right. you, de- you know, deal with it, move on, move past. Mm-hmm. That's where we are. And it, to, to some level, you're really, really interested into how this season's going to go. You go from again. What you think is going to happen, and now you really don't know what's going to happen. Well, we get to the fourth stage of grief, the stage of grief. We've seen a denial and uh, anger, bargaining. The next one is depression, unfortunately. When does acceptance come out? That, that's fifth. That's okay. fifth. We're getting to that. God, that's last. Why, I know. Why. The very last <laughs> one is acceptance when you get past it. But depression would be a, for, a good a good uh, word for a fourth preseason game, to have to watch a fourth preseason game. You're going to be depressed when you're watching it because it's not it's – not, Exactly, NFL football. It's kind of NFL football, and you know that well, Andrew Luck's not coming back next week, and so it, it, it's it's an 
a very uh, apropos word to uh, to describe what Colts fans will probably be feeling when they take the field against the Bengals Thursday on Fox 59. Like Mike said, a good reason to watch, at least at the beginning. Maybe see Paris Campbell, a little bit of him, see what and the young Chad guy Kelly can do. And Chad Kelly running. I think he, mm-hmm. maybe Kelly starts again because I, I think they really want to they want to convince themselves mm-hmm. that he he is the backup. Mm-hmm. I really think they want as much proof as they can get in another good game. And again, then he goes suspended. Then he comes back in week three, possibly, probably. And go, go ahead, Joe. I was going to say I've really enjoyed watching Kamoko Ture. He's impressed mm-hmm. the last couple games. Good, I understand their backup offensive tackles, but sacking each of the two games and then multiple quarterback pressures as well. You got to like the progression from the second year pass rusher. I think that's what you want to see from a guy who's in his second year. Heck, yeah, he's facing the second team, but you expect him to be the best against that then, second then team. Dominate. Yeah. Right, it's kind of like what Deion Kane did against yep. uh, the Bears. You're out there against their back. It's what would dominate, and he mm-hmm. did. Yep. Um, so, and, and one thing I'll add before we start wrapping things up here to kind of tie things back to our discussion with, with Andrew Luck is that um, he, he has not seen a whole lot of action this offseason. So it has been Jacoby Brissett taking hundreds, if not uh, thousands of reps. Frank Reich said 1,200. 1,200 reps. Which, which is, in last year, uh, the offense ran – 1,076 plays. So he, he took more than his season's worth of reps. Throughout the offseason with the first team. So Jacoby now, it's, again, it's, it's not in, in the flurry of a storm. It's not the same, but he has a full grasp of this offense. But again, it, it comes back to, again, the Colts' point that this is not 2017. This is not Jacoby Brissett coming in with five days warning before a start. This is Jacoby Brissett coming in with an entire offseason. So maybe this is me going back to stage three and bargaining a little bit. But uh, it, this is Jacoby Brissett with a boatload more experience, a boatload more talent around him going into the regular season. I'm sure we'll talk plenty more about the regular season when that comes. But That's why I say with Brissett, if not now, when? That is the question. If you can't succeed in this situation, where can you? And that wraps up our Colts Blue Zone podcast for this week. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. Follow Mike Chapel at mchapel 51 You can follow me at Dave G underscore sports. And Joe Hopkins, follow him at Roto Street Joe. Make sure to download, subscribe to the Colts Blue Zone podcast, get it delivered to you every week. We come to you on Wednesdays typically, but uh, that will probably be the same throughout the year, throughout the regular season. And so just expect us then on Wednesday afternoons like uh, you always have throughout this offseason so far. So we hope you've enjoyed listening and you can move on to stage five of grief acceptance sooner rather than later. Take care, everyone.